Hello and welcome to the super secretive members only expansion pack episode for all of you lovely patron people that uh, donate a dollar or more a month to us. Hello, we are your hosts. I'm Trey. I'm Jeremy. I'm John. And uh, this month we decided to do an episode. This is actually kind of inspired by something that was asked of us from one of our listeners, but it was a do an episode based around endings and uh, credits and beating games and that type of thing. I thought maybe this month, instead of just doing a top five like we've like we've been doing for the past couple ones, we could just kind of do one. Just sort of, I mean, all of these are pretty free form, you know, when we get down to it. But this, I figured we could just do where we just talk about, you know, what was the first game we beat and like the most interesting one and best bosses and stuff like that. Is what is what I thought we'd be kind of free flow conversation on that and talk about some of the ones that we, that we games that we beat and games that we want to beat and stuff like that. You know, the whole. Uh, I guess, beat of the week episode or something like that, sort of. But a lot of these were before we were doing all that stuff. But yeah, I thought I thought we'd start off with uh, talking about uh, the first time we ever completed a game or when it was... Uh, I mean, I'm sure we were pretty young when this happened and just, I, I don't know, even like when the idea of completing a game like formed in your head when you're a kid, if you even remember that. Do we all remember the first game that we beat? I do. I do. You do right. Yeah, well, I'm I'm pretty certain that I do. And, and there might there might be some repeats from what we said on our achievements episode. I'm I'm trying to keep yeah. it like more fresh than that. But you know, there's uh, as far as like first games you beat. You know, it's still going to be the same first game you beat. I mean, short of making <laughs> up a new answer, right? Yeah, exactly. Well, I I mentioned I, I have two in my notes this time so in case I. I didn't mention the other one. But yeah, the first game that I beat technically was Anticipation on NES. Which was, uh, which isn't, which is kind of like a cop out because it's not even really beating a game, I guess. I mean, well, I, I got to the end, you know, I got to the end of the game and saw the credits and all that. But anticipation is like a multiplayer game, and I basically like memorized all of the pictures on there from playing with family and stuff. And then I played it by myself and I beat the computer all the way to the end. So that was like I finally beat a game. Beat the computer that counts. Yeah. So like mm-hmm. uh, I was playing by myself. And uh, it was like, a, I don't know, I, I feel like I wasn't very good at games on on the NES. And the NES was also, like, much more difficult, I think, than the Super Nintendo. And I feel like as the games have, as the systems went, like, from the beginning, the Super Nintendo through the 64 and the GameCube and all that, games got easier as he went, you know, because checkpoints and stuff like that and, and save states or whatever were added. Better game design in general. Yeah, better game design, more more forgiving, like, obstacles and lives and stuff like that. So I think I feel like games got easier as as you went on like from system to system even though they do make really incredible games on uh, incredibly hard games on purpose now but that's just like deliberately and all that but yeah that was the first one that i beat and it was like oh i can finally beat a game and i was like and i think i was tired of getting beat by family members or whatever on anticipation i just played it by myself and i was like i know but eventually i would win all the time because i knew because it was like kind of like a pictionary style game and it would show like dots to show like where they're going to connect them to. And whenever I saw the dots, I knew exactly what it was. So I could guess before it even started drawing. So I was kind of like cheating on that against people. You anticipated anticipation. I did. Yeah. But that was the first one I remember like beating being like, Hey, I completed a game finally. But then I remember after that, which was one I really tried at was uh ducktales. The first one, Woo-hoo. the NES one. I remember beating that one. And I, and I, you know, when I had a, uh, my friend Daniel, his mom, like, uh, watched, like, uh, babysat me after school. So he played a lot of it on his Nintendo. And he was much better at video games than I was at the time. And I remember I watched him go through it. So I kind of knew how to do the, 
you know, how, how to do some of the easier bosses and how to get around the levels and stuff like that. And I was like, oh, I'm going to try it out by myself. And then I just did it and I beat it. And I was like, oh, hey, I made it through. I beat the game. So I remember those two games in particular on the NES. And I think those were like the only games I actually beat on the NES that I had, you know, because a lot of the other ones are really difficult. And I didn't even play, I didn't even beat Super Mario Brothers 1 until like years later. And I think it was through like virtual console or something like that. Yeah. I think I didn't beat it until like on Wii. And I still, and I don't think I ever beat like Mario 2 or 3 or whatever, or any of those, because I never really played those games that much. So, but those were, yeah, those are like my first memories of beating a game there. Well, that's kind of a good transition to mine because it was the first Mario, Super Mario Brothers. Um, I was eight or nine. I've definitely told this story on the podcast before, but I very audibly said, this is a day to remember after I did it. So <laughs> I made a note even back then that I was going to want to talk about this someday. But because, yeah, I just was like, I don't know. I was like, got that weird surreal feeling you get when like you're just having like a day that, you know, you're going to remember. And uh, I just like, I can't believe I beat it. Like I'd been playing it for at least a year. And, Sounds like uh, you had kind of a out of body experience or something like, wow, I can't believe it. Super Mario Brothers is over. Pretty much. Yeah. It's like when you finish a good book and we, yeah, I mean, games can be likened to books a lot of the time in that regard with their narrative. Yeah, and it was because of my mom's friend that taught us how to beat it, and I've told that story as well, but my mom's friend from childhood, we'd go to hang out with her and her kids, you know, we'd all just be playing Nintendo together, and one day she was like, here, I'm going to show you how to beat Super Mario Brothers, and she taught us the trick to get infinite lives and everything, and where all the warp zones were, how to get the the warp zone in 4-1, like, she's the one who showed me about that, and that's pretty critical, to beating the game quickly so yeah and then uh, i just copied what she did like to a t even like waiting for the hammer brother to jump seven times at the very end instead of trying to to uh, rush at it i've never heard that yeah yeah yeah, the hammer brother jumps seven times and then starts walking towards you after the seventh jump and that's when you can jump over it Hmm. but Ideally, you would get there with fire, firepower, but I never did back then. I mean, when I beat it the first time, I was little, and I jumped over him. Or I think, no, I ran under him the first time. So I ran under Bowser, which was another thing where I was like, holy shit, like, how did I do that? Oh, yeah. No, I remember learning learning the maze of that final of, like, 8-4 was from watching, from watching my friends play it. And then later in life, when I finally got to 8-4, I remember... I remember where everything was, but I don't remember anything about jump timing or anything like that. I just kind of like mm-hmm. tried to feel it out. It was eight two was the one that was just a pain in the ass always. That was the one that I was always dying. Eight two is the hardest level in the game. Yeah, without yeah. a doubt. Because I, I remember getting, uh, I remember getting uh, the Mario Brothers Deluxe on Game Boy Color, and I was like, all right, I'm gonna play through every single level, and I'm gonna beat Mario Brothers hands down. And I played that game, and I played through every level except for eight two. Eight two was the one I could just not get through. I remember A2 in college being the bane of your existence. Yeah, I hated A2 so much. Because I would always die. Like, I, I would just always, I'd never make it through. And then when I finally got to 8-3, 8-3 didn't seem that bad, and 8-4 didn't seem that bad either. But 8-2 was the one that was just always killing A2's me. got that one wide gap where you have to land on the little skinny bit of land and then jump again. That's 8-1. That was, was that 8-1? Oh. Yeah. 8-2's the one where you got you start off with the guy throwing spinies at you, block two there, and then you're dealing with a bunch of bullet bills all of a sudden, and yeah, and then you have to... I don't think you did. there's any Mo- Hammer Brothers in that one. They're in 
it's just really hard. And there, there is like there is a weird jump in it where you have to like get a running start for the jump, but you don't have a whole lot of space to do the running start. I feel like I always got killed by like one specific paratrooper or paracu- whatever the flying guys would yeah. always, would always get me in that level, and it was always in the same spot. And it was like, yeah, I, I would always. There's die a lot in the of tricks you learn. Yeah, after you play for a while, like if you stand on, like if you get on top of you know a bullet bill platform, obviously, obviously you're safe from the bullet bills, but you can also get it to where you like sort of walk to the right as far as you can and then go back left and you kind of make the screen scroll a little bit. And when you do that, that'll get the turtles to like come over. So you won't get killed by them. They'll just jump into the pit or they'll come towards you and then you can avoid them. But yeah, there's just certain things like that that I learned over time. And I mean, it took me a long time to be eight one. Uh, I remember that I kept running out of time. Like that level, it didn't make any sense. The amount of time they gave you to beat it. It, it seemed impossible to me. And now, of course, I can just like run through it without stopping. But yeah, as far as things that are second nature to me, it's got to be Super Mario Brothers. Like it's got to be like up there with tying my shoes or, you know, stuff like that. Like I just play it without thinking. Because you played through it enough times and you know, know where yeah, all the stuff at least is. that at least that path to, you know, using all the warps to get to the end. And, you know, eventually I, I skipped over the level where you get the the bonus lives because you don't need it if you're, you're confident you can get through it. But used to always stop off in World 3 so I could do that. It's, um, it's, it's the part where you get the extra life. That was the part that I would always die at, at in 8-2, where it's a, where that extra life is hidden in the blocks and there's all those, mm-hmm. like, Koopa guys with the wings jumping around around you, I would almost always die in that part, where you're kind of, like, trapped under the thing. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah, that part sucks. I just watched it again to, to remind me. But there's yeah, a bunch the of like the little like me. the little pits that you have to run across because it'd be really hard to try to jump over all of them. And then yeah, and also you the Koopas coming at you, the guys throwing shit at you from the top, and then the bullets start to fly. Yep, it's like it's like a war zone. It sucks. <laughs> uh, yeah, I was gonna say the other the other game I would mention would be Adventure on the Atari twenty six hundred, and I'm pretty proud that I figured out how to beat that as a kid without any sort of idea what was going on. I mean, there's no text in it. I don't think the, we had a manual. We just had the cartridge, but I was able to figure out, you know, like, Oh, I can use this to hit the dragon and kill it. And I can like, uh, use this key over here. You know, I figured all that out by myself. And so I eventually got the, once again, it was the easiest ending, like whatever the, the lowest difficulty level is, but still like, that's one of maybe two times I beat an Atari game. The other one being a decathlon game that I had that was just stupid. I don't know why I had to beat that, but I beat it. Because there's like literally, I think, a 1500 meter, meter dash in, at the end of it. And uh, the way you play it is you wiggle the Atari joystick from the left and the right. Mm-hmm. And you just got to do that for like, it took like 20 minutes oh, to get geez. through that 1500 meter dash. <laughs> I would think you'd just get really bored after a while. Like just being like, I was determined to beat it, yeah. and I did. And I mean, it didn't doesn't get credits. Your it like shows like a trophy or something, and then it the colors start to like the gradients of the colors start to change, and it's kind of like that's how you know you beat an Atari game. Yeah, uh, I I yeah. never. I mean, I, I never really owned an Atari, so I have like not very much experience with Atari games. So I was trying to think if there was something pre-NES that I'd beaten, but the only thing I really played was like Commodore 64 stuff, and I definitely didn't beat any of those. That's Did you sure. ever play all the way through like an arcade, pumping quarters into it? 
Not, I mean, not before the NES, like much, so, like much later in life, yeah. you know, of course mm-hmm. I played, you know, I've mentioned, I'm sure I played a lot of the Spider-Man arcade game, which is like still one of my favorite arcades. I played a lot of that. I played like the X-Men game and the Simpsons and, and mm-hmm. uh, the Avengers and stuff like that. But that was later. That was when, uh, that was when I was in high school and when I had a comic book store that I went to that had arcades in it. So we would play them there. Like that's how, I, that's where I played those games was they actually had arcade machines in, in the store. So. So that was like when I was, I don't know, like 14 or 15. I actually had Adventure, too. I had it on uh, on the computer, though, on, on DOS. And I can't say I ever beat it. I don't think I ever got very far in that game at all. Um, and I never beat any of my ColecoVision games. I mean, I was probably playing ColecoVision only until I was like five or so. But um, the first game that I beat, I, I am 90. I said it before on the show. I'm like 99% sure it's Mickey Mouse Capade. Yeah, that's, that's the second, yeah. <laughs> only the second NES game that I ever had, and I definitely beat that before Super Mario Brothers. Um, I remember, I remember beating it as a kid. It's got to be the first one. That's that's what I'm thinking. Um, I looked back on YouTube, and you know the ending is like not that challenging. For, I mean, it seemed challenging at the time, but it's not that challenging. I, I think I could have beat that when I was like six or seven. But the most memorable beat. The most memorable first game that I beat uh, would have to be Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles 2, the arcade game, because that ending is great. We, we played the crap out of that game, and I don't know if we ever actually beat it. Like, I feel like we got all the way to Shredder and still died, because you had a limited yep. amount of continues in that game. So you did, yeah. I, I remember, like, not... I, I don't think... I, I don't remember if I ever made it all the way through, even though I do remember that, like, the paragraph, the ending paragraph that it has is the same mm-hmm. ending paragraph that's in the Game Boy game, which I actually did beat. But I beat that one just really? because you could select whatever level you can go to, so you can start at the at the final level if you want. The, uh, I actually have the ending paragraph right here. Yeah, the the, the, end, the Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Konami uh, Game Boy game, which I played a lot of, I think has the same paragraph at the end. It says freaked the foots, mangled the mousers, and totaled the Technodrome. That's turtle power. But what about the Shredder and Krang? burden to toast vaporized to milkshake or escape to dimension x until we know none of us can sleep safely in our beds or shells <laughs> that's it i don't understand vaporized to milkshake no that doesn't milkshake is not vapor yeah i mean well you're no. still there yeah <laughs> <laughs> but yeah this is the most memorable uh because well first of all it was 1991 or so like that was prime time you know for the turtles and so to to beat a turtles game was was pretty cool at the time. Um, you fight first, you fight Krang, and then you fight Shredder. So there's two different bosses at the end. And there's actually two phases of Shredder. There's well, there's two Shredders. There's, there's one that's fake, one that's real. You got it's one of those where you got to pick the real one. Um, and he's like shooting lightning from his hands. You got to knock the helmet off. Um, when you knock the helmet off, you figure out oh, that's the real Shredder. You go after him. You take him out. You beat the game. And yeah, Shredder was like the ultimate bad guy, so it was cool to beat him. Uh, and I think that this game, the challenge level was perfect for kids. It's another one where I looked back at it, and you know, it seemed like a mon- monumental task at the time, but it's actually like kind of a medium effort. So perfect for a kid, for, perfect game for a kid to beat. We, and and the music was all cool. It was really cool at the end. It's a really good game. Yeah, we we, yeah. Always, we always had a hard time getting through it. Like I said, because of uh, limited continues and stuff like that. But it, it does, mm. I, I am correct, like it does have that same paragraph at the end of the Game Boy game on the original Game Boy Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles. 
but you can only <laughs> you can only see that paragraph if you play through all of the levels to get there. <laughs> Because it lets you select whatever level, and if you start at the end, you can go straight to Krang and fight Krang. And it'll show you, it'll show, like, the animation of the turtles rescuing April and all that. But it <clears> won't show you the paragraph. You only see the paragraph if you beat everything. So that was something I didn't see until way later. But that was, yeah, that was the one where I was, I like that one, because I could just go straight to the final boss and be like, oh, here, there it is. You know? <laughs> I wish we still had it. But of course, it just got lost in the sands of time. But we had uh, the Manhattan Project, and it oh, was, that was great too. Oh, it was so good! I think I it's never, yeah. I, never I don't, I don't know one. if it's like a super rare game, but I don't think it's cheap. Um, but that was the first one I ever used the Konami code on because I'd hear hmm. heard kids saying it at school, or and I'd read it in some books. But all I knew was it was a Konami game. I didn't know for sure the code was going to work. So when I put it in, and it did, that was just like a breakthrough moment for me as a kid, and we ended up playing through that game because of the code we ended up legitimately playing through it eventually but we played the crap out of that game because we'd be like let's just go to that level we love and we just go straight to like i can't remember what level it was but there was a level towards the middle that was the best there was one where you're walking in the streets and like the street falls out and, like, yeah the i think that sky. was the one i think that, that was, was cool one. Mm-hmm. yeah that level was awesome the whole the whole game is really cool and it's it's more of turtles too so yeah i actually like that one wrong better because you can do the power up moves mm-hmm. that would be I, I would always be Raphael he had the best ones he could drill across the screen but then that was I think one of the first games where I experienced where if you use the power up move it actually drained your life mm-hmm. so you had to be strategic about how you used it oh sure the um <clears throat> they have graded versions of Manhattan Project selling for fifteen thousand dollars on on eBay like the ones in the cases that are like you know mm-hmm. that have like the certain grading or whatever yeah, there's one going for the cartridge. There's going one for fifteen thousand. I mean, these are the these are sealed like in in yeah. box. We just had the cart like the loose cartridge. I don't think we had any of the boxes or anything. I, there's a loose cartridge selling for fifty dollars or best offer, which I think is pretty high for an NES game, for especially it like is. a licensed one. Right. So I don't know if it, I don't think it's ever been re released anywhere. So that might be the only way to play it right now legally. Yeah, I think you're right. Well, the, I mean, the NES the, and also the NES arcade one. Don't forget is is different from the actual arcade one because mm-hmm. they the changed level. yeah because they changed some levels in there and so that one was never really re released. Didn't they bring uh, the the arcade game the actual arcade to Xbox 360 for just a little while then they like took it down? Possibly. I think, Actually, I think that been on and there. and uh, same with the Simpsons arcade. Like I don't think you can just buy that. Well, Simpsons anymore. arcade was was free on PlayStation Plus, and I got it from there. Mm-hmm. But I don't know. I mean, I don't know if it's available now. Still, maybe they probably want you to get that portable arcade that's uh, <laughs> that's available. You I can just actually you can buy like an actual arcade. It's yeah. changed. Like Disney owns Simpsons now, pretty much, and crap like that. Yeah. Well, and I also, in the, I don't know who owns Turtles. Yeah, and how the games Nickelodeon how the games work. Oh yeah, know. Nickelodeon. You're right. I was gonna say on the comment too what you said about the Konami code. The the Turtles game on on Game Boy was the second time that I'd used the Konami code, and I was. I felt pretty smart because I figured out that it worked on that game. And you could use it one time, but you could completely fill up your turtle's life meter at any time. So it was it was pretty cool. It was a nice little save thing that you could do in there when you're trying to play through and you're almost dead. You could just do that. And the first time I ever did that was on the, on the Gradius, Gradius, whatever, um, NES game. The, yeah, the code in Manhattan Project's the best out of all of them that I've used because, yeah, like lets you pick the level, lets you decide how many lives you have. So it kind of lets you set the difficulty in that regard. And um, 
Actually, I think it, that might be how you change the difficulty as well. Like you can make it easier if I remember correctly. But yeah, it was it was a breakthrough. And we also discovered, you know, if you hit BA select start, then you could play two player. And that was even better because you both got a ton of lives. And there's just no way you were ever going to lose. You were going to finish the game once you gave yourself like all these lives and all these continues. The uh, the, the way that I got um, the, the Turtles arcade game was through Teenage Mutant Ninja Turtles Nexus 2 for game for Game Boy or for GameCube where you can actually unlock the arcade game on there. So I bought that game used and you do have to play through the game to the point of where you unlock it but once you unlock it you can play it whenever you want. So I do actually have a physical copy of that game for GameCube so I could cool. play the Turtles arcade game on GameCube. And up to four players cuz of the Yeah. Ports. I remember getting I remember finding it in uh I found it when I was in LA with Tim and I think I actually asked Tim to buy it for me and I never paid him back. So that's how, that's how I ended up getting it. Cause I didn't have any money at the time because I was down there working and uh, uh, underpaid or whatever. So yeah, I remember that's how I got it, but, it, but you have to play like halfway through the game before you actually get it. So you have to experience the crappy game before you get to the arcade game, which that was a, that was an achievement in itself. I think for me to just be able to torture myself through that game to get to that part. We should play it next time we hang out. We could Ho- hopefully, well, my my game my GameCube card has been corrupted ever since, so I might not have That's that right. save anymore. So we might have to get through the dumb game to get there again. But you know, we'll see how bad it actually is. I'll get to work on it now, so it'll be ready for the time you get there. Even though I feel like I might I just have think it would look great on a giant TV. Sure. The old arcade yeah, it does feel kind of weird playing it with GameCube controllers. I remember that, but whatever. I mean, it's gonna feel weird no matter what game. You got an arcade or, stick you could hook up. I guess I do. I don't, well, I don't think I have a Game Boy, a GameCube one. No, it's a Wii one, so it wouldn't work with GameCube. But anyway, yeah. That was a game that you beat in an interesting way. I was trying to think about this because, you know, there's uh, plenty of different ways that I've beaten games. One of the ones that I remember is actually beating uh, Phantom Hourglass on the train, like while while I was on a train, like on uh, whatever, like... um, Not Spirit Tracks? I never beat Spirit Tracks, actually. It was Phantom Hourglass that I beat. You got to beat Phantom Hourglass in an hourglass. Yeah. But it, I mean, Spirit it was because I was traveling on a train for whatever reason, like uh, from one place to another. And it wasn't like the CTA. It was like a long train, you know, where there was a plug there because I remember charging the, 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 the DS because it was about to die. And I plugged it in and I ended up beating the game on the train. So I was like, you know, it's always cool when you're when you're like into a game and all this stuff's happening around you and you don't care because you're at the, at the end of the game. And that was because most of the time and this is like a next another question that would ask later. But a lot of times. When I was younger, I'd want to like save the ending until I was like at home, like if I was traveling and beating a game. Mm-hmm. Like I remember doing that for Super Mario RPG when I was on vacation. I was playing that 
at my dad's house and I was at the final boss or at the final level or whatever. And I was like, I'm going to wait till I'm home to beat it. And then I just stopped playing it. And then I waited until I got back and then I, ple- and then I beat it. So wow. delayed gratification. You're ahead of your times. Yeah. It was like, yeah, I was like, yeah, I'm going to save this for later. I don't know how I did that, you know, and had something else, either. had something As else kid, to do with especially. my life because I was, you know, you only had like one game at a time then it wasn't like I could go on. Well, maybe I went and I don't know socialized or something <laughs> whatever whatever that was but but yeah I, I remember that and uh, i always wanted to uh i remember one time we got stuck in traffic and i was playing game boy i was playing game boy in the car because the traffic wasn't moving and i thought that'd be cool to, to beat a game like that but I, I never actually did that i would have to be stuck in traffic for a while i guess well i guess i don't know if it was an interesting way but it kind of felt cheap but it always kind of haunts me and makes me wonder, like, I definitely need to go through this game without using this exploit. But it's in Final Fantasy VI, or also known as Final Fantasy III here. I've finished that game on the Super Nintendo, and it's one of my proudest things. I will tell anybody who asks me, what's a game you beat that you're proud of? That'll be it. You know, one of them. And uh, I totally used the Vanish X-Zone trick on some bosses that I got stuck on, which is basically... Once you cast Vanish on um, a monster in Final Fantasy VI, then you then no matter what spell you cast at it, it connects. That's because that's how you negate the the spell. That's kind of like the counteract to the Vanish is to to use magic on on the on the character. So that means you can hit it with any of your like di- you know instant death spells if it would normally reflect oh, yeah. those. It'll or make them actually work. Because they rarely work. So Vanish X Zone is one of the weirdest things ever because you cast Vanish on it. And some some of the times you have to cast Reflect on yourself and then cast Vanish on yourself and send it back because some enemies, you know, deflect spells. Mm-hmm. But once you hit them with Vanish, you know, they literally their sprite just goes away on the screen. Then you cast X Zone, which is a really has a really cool like effect how it how it you know plays out on the screen the animation's really cool this weird blob shows up and then sucks everything up and it like takes away the sprites you know and they're gone kind of like swallows them into a wormhole but when it's when there's no sprite on the screen it's just this weird blob goes victory and then then you've won (laughs) so i did that on i try not to do it on all the bosses but Come on, you get the same amount of experience. You can't do it on Kefka, though, right? On like the Kefka no, Tower? No, yeah. no. There's some that it just doesn't work on, but it works on nearly every boss. And so uh, I also eventually learned that Vanish Death is an alternative that you can use, and then you might actually want to use that because I was going around, and I can't remember, they're like the legendary dragons or whatever it is, the extra bosses in the game that there's like, I think, seven of. I don't know if you remember this, Trey. But there's one of them, or at least one of them, that you encounter when you're in the airship, and it's a random thing. Oh, okay. Encounter him. It's, it's kind of like the. Uh, it's like Doom Gaze, or I can't remember what his name it's is. It's like super, the like, super bosses. They're 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 in all, most RPGs where like there's yeah. extra ones that are kind of harder than the final one. I'm, I, I had a I had a strategy guide. I had the Nintendo Power one, so I went out and did all the stuff. So did I. I actually that's had. How a, I actually that's how I figured out the vanish thingy because it's like a little tiny blurb in there. It's not. It's just like a little. You know, in those little strategy guides, there'd be all these little mm-hmm. inset, little text areas, and it's just like, oh, by the way, oh, did you know anything yeah. that has vanish, <laughs> you know, cast on it will blah blah blah. So I figured out. That I'm surprised. Vanish, yeah, so. I'm surprised I didn't do that because I read I read that thing like cover to cover, mm-hmm. and I don't remember that being in there. Maybe that was maybe it was in a different strategy guide, and it wasn't in the Nintendo Power one. But 
But yeah, I don't remember ever doing that. But I did uh, I did kind of screw myself over in that game, speaking of uh, endings, and also kind of going back to the yeah. Super Mario RPG. But there was I used to try to, like, as most people would, once you beat an RPG, I'd, I'd go and, like, try to level everybody up to, like, 999 and, like, make all my characters super powerful and all that stuff. And I did that in uh, Super Mario RPG, where I could just beat the boss just by attacking it regularly without using moves and stuff. And, uh, and I was going to do that for Final Fantasy VI, and I left, and I ended up, like, I don't know, using whatever to get out of that final area. And then I couldn't get back. I couldn't get back where I was because all of the, because all of the like, stuff had moved around to where I couldn't figure out how to get back to. So I kind of screwed myself over. I oh, couldn't, be, yeah. couldn't beat the that game again. Oh, yeah, that really complicated, too. I remember yeah. that. I had to look at a guide for that. Because all the stuff, yeah. like, changes, like, the, the location of uh, where you can go, and it, it all, like, shifts. So, like, yeah. I, I, I was convinced that I couldn't get back because I could not find a way... Because when I tried to go back in there, there were the the stairs that was there is like not there anymore. So I was like, okay, I, I don't think I can beat the game anymore. So thankfully, I did it. I didn't like not do it and then go do that and try to come back because I just couldn't go back. Yeah, well, that's the kind of thing I was saying. I kind of screwed myself over. I think I ended up like turning the game off and turning it back on. But there was uh, when I was fighting one of those dragons. I think he was like named Doomgazer. Is something like that? I'd have to look it up. But he was, you know kind of hard to find because it's a random encounter while you're in the airship and i think maybe he spawns more in certain parts of the map but you you know you just kind of like if you run into him you should fight him you know don't run away or don't like reset the game or whatever because he's hard but he's he's even harder to actually encounter if i remember correctly so i encountered him and i used the vanish x zone on him and there was some kind of drop and i can't remember what it was if it was an esper it was something important that i wanted and uh it might have even been like you collect all the items from the seven dragons and you need this drop. I didn't get the drop because the, <laughs> you oh, don't get any drops yeah. if you use X zone. Yeah. It takes, it takes the drops with it. So I, that was my first time as a kid being like, Oh shit. You broke the game. Sometimes when you cheat, yeah. it, it screws you over. Yep, yeah, exactly. So I had to like reset it, but um, that's when I was like, wait a minute, what if I use vanish doom? And then that, that works on less enemies, but, it always lets you keep the drop. There you go. But you didn't use it on Kefka, right? You still beat Kefka the regular you can't, way. You can't use any of those special tricks on no. Kefka other than well, probably the reflect trick. I don't even know if that's a trick because the bosses employ that themselves okay. where you cast reflect on yourself and then reflect spells off of yourself at him. You can do that still. but I, I, beat, I was going to say, I beat Kefka in kind of an interesting way just because, well, I think I mentioned this before, but just because I did it two player, like I beat Kefka the first time with my with my brother in law, like doing all the mm. doing all the moves, like doing all of the was it Saban the one the one who has like the Street Fighter moves? Mm-hmm. Yeah, he would just do the he would do those moves on the other controller while we were playing, and then just he just kept doing that like the whatever the and you were just hammering it with Ultima. Yeah, and that's how we and that's how we beat it. So that was kind of cool to beat to beat that game with two people because we had both been playing that game kind of at the same time, and he he wasn't that far in the game, but he was fine with like seeing the ending early, so. He was like, I remember I uh, borrowed the game from someone and just being um, curious because I had already beaten the game at this point, but just being kind of curious what they had done to beat it. I loaded up their save file and they had, I think it was Tara and they had her with like some sort of item that turned her into an imp. And not only was she an imp, but she had float cast on her and she was like spinning. So she had all this like, I think maybe berserk or something like that. She was just totally out of control, but for whatever reason, she also became the focal point of like Kefka almost almost exclusively attacked her, 
and it was taking away like one damage. Mm-hmm. So for whatever reason, there's just some combination of of things you can put on a character where like it's almost like the super shell and um and Mario RPG, you know, yeah, where it just like it just basically you. makes the game unlosable. Yeah, and, and I found that yeah. interesting. I I don't know what the combination of items was. You can probably look it up somewhere. And that's part of what's so fun about RPGs, I think, is like if you're smart enough, you can break the system, like because all of it's like math and you break down, break it down. And I'm not that smart to figure any of that out, but it's cool that people do, that people figure out how to how to make it to where. And I felt like breaking the game, right? Breaking the game or min maxing. I thought it was, I thought mm. people called that also. Oh, min max. Yeah. And, but I felt like uh, that was what Bravely Default 2 was all about, like for anybody who was. Uh, super nerdy about that stuff you could go through and kind of break the game i couldn't remember if i had any game that i really beat in an interesting way but i want to say when we did our video game party at my house trey and 